Well, good evening. It's great to be here at Southwest Baptist Church. So thankful for that song and that reminder Amen. that Jesus never fails us. Amen. Amen. Um, as many of you know, this uh, trip back to the U.S. was not planned. Um, earlier last year, we found out our daughter had a disease and um, we didn't really know much about the disease. And so we began seeing a doctor there in Argentina and he recommended us to bring her down to Scottish Rite Children's Hospital in the Dallas area. He said it's a very rare disease. They haven't seen a lot of cases um, there in Argentina. Uh, but there was a specialist in Dallas, so he recommended that we uh, bring her to Dallas. So we began all the paperwork really not knowing what to expect, uh, not knowing how advanced her disease was, not knowing how long we were going to be here uh, in the States. Really, it was just day by day. Um, and back in August, uh, I got approval to bring her. Uh, they gave me like a week and a few days to get her down to Dallas. So me and Sarah came by ourselves, uh, not knowing whether they were going to want to do surgery, uh, not knowing how soon they could get her in. And so we came and the appointment was on Wednesday. And that Wednesday after we saw the doctor, he said, well, she's going to need to have a surgery. We can get her in next Wednesday. So immediately uh, I got my family here and he told us that she would need about a year recovery. She was going to be in a cast for about seven weeks and then she would go to braces for about 10 to 12 months. So, you know, as a parent, that's not what you want to hear. And um, we were worried how she was going to do with the surgery. Um, she couldn't walk. Many of you saw her. She had her uh, feet open like this. And I can just remember in the hospital, she didn't want to take her medicine after the surgery. And she was in some pain in the hospital. And I can just remember thinking, how are we going to survive the next seven weeks? Um, we literally have to do everything with her, take her to the restroom, get her dressed, uh, pick her up for anything she needs to do. And, you know, also you're worried, are we going to hurt her? Um, but after we got her home and she settled down a little bit and got some medicine, it was like a completely different person. She was in no pain. She could move by herself. She could just kind of scoot along. And uh, to be honest, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And so that's just the praise to the, to the Lord for what he's done. Uh, we took her back to get her cast off. And when he took off the cast, she was able to move really well. Um, had no problem bringing her feet up to her chest. No problem doing the exercises. So we said, well, it looks like she could be in there six months or even less. So that's an answer to prayer. And uh, she has an appointment this coming Wednesday, so a week from today, down in Dallas. I do pray that you would, uh, or ask that you would pray for her for that appointment. And we're hoping, and she is too, that the doctor says she can walk. Um, because he still doesn't want her to walk. So just pray. Pray that the Lord's will would be done. Pray for the visit next week. Um, also want to give you a quick update. Many of you know about uh, my brother's health condition um, and his kidneys not functioning. Uh, they're functioning right now at about 16%. And last year in Argentina, when I found out about his kidneys, I immediately was like, well, I would like to donate my kidney to my brother. And then when I began to investigate and figured out or saw how long I would need to be here, 
I was like, well, I love my brother, but not that much to go home for, uh, <laughs> for five, six months. And so I really didn't even think it was possible, to be honest. And uh, then the Lord brought us back for Sarah, and my brother still doesn't have a donor. And so I began to look into it a little bit more. I talked to my brother about it. He sent me some information about donating the kidney. And um, about a month and a half ago, me and him both went down for testing as far as blood work and were a match. Um, so our blood work or my blood work came back really good. And I have another visit in three weeks from today. And that will be the final testing. Basically, they want to make sure my kidneys work. I uh, want to make sure my heart is okay. And if everything goes through, then I'll be able to donate my kidney to my brother. And so uh, pray for that as well. That probably wouldn't take place to the summer. Um, I find out on Friday the 5th. And then that Friday night, I travel back to Argentina for two weeks. Um, most of you know as well, I've been traveling back and forth to Argentina just due to the circumstances. Our church is not ready for me to be gone for a whole year. Um, the missionary that was working with us just so happened to be back on furlough. And so we've had different missionaries filling in for me. Brother Al Mueller, he's filled in for me a couple times. Uh, my parents have filled in for me a couple times. And then we've had, um, we've had a guy in the church fill in once or twice. And we've had a few other missionaries fill in. Um, this will be the last trip I'll make back. And then the other missionary family will be back in Argentina. So just pray for our church as well. Thankfully, the church is doing really good. Um, you know, I don't even know if they've missed me. Uh, <laughs> so, but they're doing really good. Um, nobody's left the church. They seem really encouraged. Um, they've been out soul winning. And so the church is marching on. And so just pray, just pray that the Lord would, would work with everything going on within the next, uh, next months and pray as well for the kidney that we could donate that. All right. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity, Pastor uh, Gaddis. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's open up our Bibles tonight to the book of John. Book of John, chapter 8 and verse number 12. Automatically, some will recognize the passage in John 8, 12. We're just going to read one verse, a very, uh, very good verse, one of my favorite verses. John 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we've titled the message, A Light of Hope in the Midst of Darkness. A Light of Hope in the Midst of Darkness. You may be seated. One of the things that I believe many of us enjoy seeing would be lighthouses. Uh, a lot of churches I go to, they'll have, 
Either the pastor's, pastor's office will be decorated with lighthouses. Uh, sometimes out in the foyer when you go to churches, they have a variety of different lighthouses. Sometimes you go to people's homes and in their homes they have lighthouses. Um, some of you may own a lighthouse in your home. Some of you may have your office decorated in lighthouses. Some of you may even have a Thomas Kincaid lighthouse calendar um, for you that love lighthouses. But there's no doubt that there's something that just brings happiness and joy and uh, seeing a beautiful lighthouse. The very first lighthouse built in America was the Boston Light in 1716 in Little Brewster Island in Boston, Boston Harbor. Throughout the years, many have asked me, why have you decided to name the church in Argentina Lighthouse Baptist Church? Are you that big a fanatic or lighthouse is, or is there a different explanation to why you decided to name your church Lighthouse Baptist Church? If we're truly going to understand why we named the church Lighthouse Baptist Church, then we need to properly understand what a lighthouse is. What is the function of a lighthouse? What is a lighthouse? So a lighthouse is a tower, a building, or other type of physical structure topped with a very bright light called a beacon. The beacon is used by sailors to help guide their ships uh, at night to safety. The beacon brings hope to the mariners. Lighthouses come in all shapes and sizes. They can be found on rocky cliffs or sandy shoals on land or on wave-swept reefs in the sea and at the entrances of harbors and bays. But no matter the location, no matter the size, the purpose of the lighthouse is still the same. It's always going to be the same. The purpose of a lighthouse is to warn ships of dangerous and shallow and perilous rocky coast and to guide the vessels to safely enter into the harbors. That is the function and the purpose of a lighthouse. It isn't just for us to stand in awe of, of its beauty. It isn't for us just to look at the light and say, wow, look at the bright, shining light. No, it has a purpose and it is to bring the ships to safety. Like the light of the lighthouse is important to warn ships of dangerous situations and to guide them to safety. I think we would all agree that we also need physical light to warn us of danger, danger situations and to guide us to safety. Could you imagine trying to drive without your lights on tonight at the church? Some of you may have. Uh, some of you may have forgot to turn your lights on. <laughs> but could you imagine what life would be without having light? Several years ago, I was attending a family camp there in Argentina. And the cabins where we stayed at was just a little distance from the actual camp. And the farther we got away from camp at night, the darker it became. And I'm thankful that I had a flashlight that would point me in the direction that I needed to go. 
uh, because without that flashlight, I would have probably put myself in a situation that I didn't want to be in. I could have possibly hurt myself or gone off the path and found myself in danger. I'm very thankful for light. If we would have shut the lights off tonight, it would be very hard for me to maneuver and to get down from the platform. I think we would all agree. I would probably hurt myself. And so light is very important. Without light, we wouldn't be able to read. For some of you, that's not a problem. Some of you are saying, amen, I wish we didn't have to read. But without light, life would be very difficult. Wouldn't it be able to work? Wouldn't it be able to cook? Wouldn't it be able to watch the Sooners win their bowl, upcoming bowl game? That would be sad. But you, I think we're getting the point that we need light. The lighthouse is important for ships. Physical light is important in our lives so we don't put ourselves in danger. Without it, we would be in big trouble. But since we've talked about all these lights and we talked about the lighthouse and we talked about physical light, it's important that we talk about another light, another light that you and me desperately need, another light that and not only you and me need, but a light that the whole world needs. It's a light that is not found in a place or a thing. It is a light that is found in a person. And it is a light that is found right here in our scripture in John 8, 12. And the Bible says, if you go there again, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying these words, I am the light of the world. So he was very direct. He, he made it very clear who he was. He made it very clear to them that he is the light of the world. He is hope to the world. We live in a world that is evil. We live in a world of darkness. We live in a world where it seems like everywhere we turn, there's wickedness, there's hatred. Uh, it seems that all you hear on the news is you hear of bad things happening and, and you look around and, and as Christians, really, you can become discouraged and you can say, man, what, what is the world coming to? It seems like people don't care. It seems like everybody's mad. It seems like everybody wants to be involved in evil and everywhere I go, there's sin and we see it in families, how marriages are being destroyed and how children are growing up without parents. Why is that? Because because we're living in wickedness and sin and darkness where people are selfish and people think of themselves and people don't care about what is right and wrong. And so they're in a situation that they desperately need hope. And that hope isn't going to be found in Dr. Phil or that hope isn't going to be found in some soap opera. That hope is found in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And so I think we know that. I don't think this is anything new to any of us. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Jesus is the light of the world and he gives hope. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. I just want to focus for a minute on that. Whosoever believes on him so that it doesn't matter how dark the situation may seem. It doesn't matter where they grew up. It doesn't matter how much money they have or, or what kind of degrees they have on the wall or what kind of language they speak or what color their skin is. The, the Bible is very clear that whosoever it, it, it means whosoever. It means all. So why we're living in a world where and now where they're teaching us. That, that the gospel isn't for everyone and that it's just for a chosen few and you have to meet these requirements and those requirements. I got news. It's not just for a chosen few. It's for so whosoever is willing to humble themselves and call upon a holy and a righteous God. That's who it's for. So that means it would be for those in Argentina. And that means it would be for those in Germany and those in the Philippines. There's hope. Just a couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus. We've been singing about the birth of Jesus. Some, if not many, have already read the Christmas story. But one thing we must not forget in this season is that God sent his son with a purpose. And his purpose for his son was to be born to die. It wasn't just for him to be born and to stay upon here and to enjoy life down here. The purpose of his birth was so that he could die in your place, in my place. The, the just was going to die for the unjust. The righteous was going to die for the unrighteous. Romans 5, 8, we know it as well. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the whole world. Sometimes we can forget that. Sometimes we can become so focused in here and in where we live and in our life that we forget that he died for the whole world. We forget that he gives hope to the whole world. We forget that he wasn't just born for us here in America, but he was also born for those around the world. And he also died for those around the world so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not only was he born, not only did he die, but he was Buried and he rose again on the third day. We heard about it Sunday. If you were here, pastor made it very clear and, and gave a clear presentation of how they went to the tomb on that morning. And when they went in, the tomb was empty. He wasn't there. He had risen. Man, I'm so thankful tonight that not only was he born, not only did he die, he didn't stay in that grave, but he rose again on the third day. And unless he rose again, we would be without hope. But he rose again to give us that hope. He, he, he's a 
alive. He's living. He, he knows who we are. He knows everything about you and me. And I'm so thankful that I can go to my prayer closet. And I'm so thankful that I can get on my knees and pray, not having to wonder, is he listening or not? Not having to question, hey, does God really care? Yes, he cares about me. And he already proved it when he died on the cross for my sin. And yet he rose again. And he knows everything about me. And I can go to him in open communion, knowing that God hears my prayers and concern for me. Amen. Amen. We need to be reminded about that. And so not only was he born and not only did he die, but he rose again. I'm so thankful that we serve a risen Savior, as the song says. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's alive. And he's sitting in the right hand of the Father. Mark 16, 19 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of the Father. Most of this we've all heard before. Most of this we know. We know that the only way to get to the Father who is in heaven is through Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. I don't think we're going to deny that. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Hey, listen, that is the light. There is no other name. Uh, it isn't in a, a pope as many are hoping in Argentina. It isn't through a baptism. It isn't through some uh, five steps and we're saved. It isn't just being a good person. It isn't just attending church. It isn't just having your name on the church roll. It isn't just singing in the choir. It isn't just doing all these good deeds. It's having a personal relationship with him, knowing him as Lord and Savior. And there's no other way to be saved. And so as a church in Argentina, our purpose is to tell people about Jesus Christ and to be a light in darkness. Amen. Let them know. Our job, our duty as a church, no matter the size or location, is to be a lighthouse. It doesn't matter if we're a church of 1,300, 1,500, if we're a church of 500, if we're a church of 50. The purpose is still the same, to stand tall, to stand bright, to let the light of Jesus shine, to point people to safety. It doesn't change just because we move locations. The church is not a building. The church is composed of believers. So we can go a step farther and say that each believer, each member of a local independent fundamental Baptist church has the responsibility to be a light. 
It's not just the church's job as we would think. It's the church's job to be a light. It's the pastor, it's the staff. Hold on a second, because the church isn't the pastor and it's not just the staff. The church would involve each one of you and each one of you has a job to do. And wherever you are, wherever you may go, whether you stay here or go abroad, the goal is still the same for you and me to be a light. For you and me to point people to Christ. For you and me not to be afraid in a world of wickedness and darkness to talk about Jesus. Because I'm going to be real honest, many times I think we are afraid to talk about Jesus. We're living in an age where we don't want to offend nobody. So therefore we don't want to tell them about Jesus because then we're going to confront them with their sin. And we might get on their bad side. We're to let the light of Jesus shine through us. Before we go on, we must remember the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and Lord, and wish you always, even unto the end of the world. So we are not only supposed to be a light here in Oklahoma City. Not only supposed to be a light in our state of Oklahoma, not only supposed to be a light in the United States, we're supposed to be a light in every nation. And that's why we still believe in supporting missionaries. That's why we still encourage to give to missions. And that's why we still preach about uh, the fields are wide and ready to harvest. The laborers are few. That's why we still preach about this. Because the gospel still works. The light is still shining. And there's still people in darkness that don't know about Jesus. And, and so we need not only to be focused here, but we need to be focused elsewhere also. And since not everyone is called, we can all be involved by giving. Amen. We can all be involved by being a light right here where Jesus has called us. Because he's the one that gives hope. By being involved in supporting and sending missionaries around the world to be a light on our behalf to people that deserve the same chance as you and me. To hear that in the midst of darkness, evil, and wickedness, Jesus is the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. A long time ago, a noticed preacher named D.L. Moody or Dwight Moody told his congregation about a boat helplessly rocking and plunging on a stormy starless night near the Cleveland Harbor. The mariners on the boat could see the lighthouse shining, but they needed to find their way through the narrow passage and the treacherous rocks that surrounded the harbor. Normally, there's lights along the shore aligned with the lighthouse to mark the passage 
to safety. But on that particular night, the lower lights had gone out. Finally, the desperate captain decided they had no choice but to proceed into the harbor without the guidance of the lower lights. With a strong hand and brave heart and almost total, total darkness, the old pilot turned the wheel. Tragically, he missed the channel. He crashed the boat upon the rocks and lost the lives of all his sailors. Moody went on to explain the lesson of the story. The master will take care of the great lighthouse, but he depends on you and me to keep the lower lights burning. Philip Bliss was directing the song that night at the camp meeting. And he was so inspired by Moody's story that he wrote what would become one of his most popular hymns. Brightly beams our Father's mercy. He also composed the music, a hymn tune, The Lower Lights which was published in 1871. The song goes like this, I brought it. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Dark the night of sin has settled, loud the angry billows roar, eager eyes are watching, longing, For the lights along the shore. Trim your feeble lamp, my brother. Some poor seller tempted tossed. Trying now to make the harbor. And the darkness may be lost. Let the lower lights be burning. Send the gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seamen. You may rescue you may save. The storms of life put many lives around us in peril. They may long to approach the Father's mercy, but are unsure how to navigate the obstacles in their way. We all know how they feel because each one of us, at one point in our lives, were lost at sea. We were in that same condition and and darkness and and lost in sea. God wants to use you and me tonight to rescue them. If we keep the light of Jesus shining in our lives and align our lights with the light above, we can guide an exhausted mariner safely home. Did you catch the key? We need to keep our lives aligned with him. We need to be walking in light with him. We need to be following him. We need to be walking a holy and a sanctified life. It's going to be real hard for you to lead someone to safety when you're living your life in 
in sin, when you're living your life the way you want to live it, when you're rejecting God's word, when you're not in church, when you're not reading the Bible, when you're not praying, when you're not being a good testimony at work, when you're not speaking like you ought to be, when you're not being faithful to your family. Hey, my friends, when we're walking in light with the lighthouse, it's then that we can point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us want to try to be a light, but we want to continue living our wicked lifestyles, our secret lifestyles, our lifestyles of sin. But when we're aligned with the light above, we can guide an exhausted mariner safely home. We can be the lower lights that send a gleam across the wave. Some poor, fainting, struggling seamen we may rescue, we may save. So tonight, I want to challenge each and every one of us. Keep the lower lights burning. There's nothing wrong with the light above. Jesus is still the light of the world. He's still the same today as he was back then. He still wants to change lives. There's nothing wrong with the light above, but many times the problem lies right here with you and me and the lower lights that we fail to turn them on. We fail to shine. So we all... Believe that Jesus is the light of the world. We all like a passage like this. But now we must put into action and shine the lower lights. It's everyone's responsibility. So the light can get to places quickly. We'll give you a quick illustration. If I tried to pick up this piano by myself, which I'm not... You guys would think I'm foolish, right? It's a really hard task. You can see me over here and oh, I'm turning red. And man, Josue down here, Josue sees me and Josue's a big guy. And he's like, hey, let me come and let me help you out, brother. You're in Argentina. I'm from Argentina. So now comes Josue. And man, Josue's trying to help me. And, you know, he's helping a little bit, but not that much. And now his wife comes up and she's like, scoot over, Josue, let me show you how this is done. And so his wife starts helping me. And man, she's really giving me a good hand. And man, you guys can see us as we're struggling to pick up this piano. And then Brother Seth over here, he kicks in. And then Brother David Perkle, well, he comes up here. And man, before you know it, we just have this piano surrounded and a task that seemed hard, a task that seemed difficult, a task that looked impossible for me. Yes, it was. But when we all get involved, the task is really easy and we begin to move the piano and we escort it out there. Why? So that those that are outside the walls of this church can hear beautiful music. Well, that's the ideal. We, we all together carry the light. We do our part. Why? So that those outside the walls can hear about the love of Jesus Christ so that they can see a light standing tall in the midst of darkness so that they can find a glimpse of hope. But it's up to you and me to keep the lower lights shining. Are you doing your part? 
If not, my challenge is to ask the Lord to help you to be the light that points people to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your love. A very simple passage, really. A passage that sometimes we may just even overlook. Passage that we know pretty much by memory. A passage that if we grew up in church, we probably heard it before. But yet a passage that we can forget who you are. And our responsibility to take that light to the world. Over in Matthew, you tell us that we're the light of the world. (laughs) We can't shine if we hide our light. Lord, you want to use us tonight to shine. To point people to safety. Many are in danger tonight. Many are out on the sea, tossing to and fro, hoping that they'll soon see the light. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts tonight. Help us to respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.